All right, here we are, Lawyer Talk, Blitz Wednesday, January 13, 2021. Close to the chaos here in the bunker, waiting to tune in with the Blitz for another weekly Lawyer Talk adventure with all the listeners and all the advice doled out for free with Loper and Randy in the morning. Expect them to interface any minute and we will answer the questions. The legal questions have been nagging you all night long. You call into the blitz for right now, we can answer those, because I know you've been thinking about them, because it just happened yesterday, so you didn't get any sleep. So, you need some immediate, right now, answers to your legal questions. You better call the blitz. All right, here we go. Legal advice on Loper and Randy. Better call Steve. All right, cool. Let's get some legal advice. Steve Palmer's on the phone. What's up, Steve? Hey, how you guys doing this morning? I'm all right. So Kelly had a little bit of an issue coming into work yesterday. You want to tell uh, Steve Palmer about that? Yeah. Now, uh, we're trying to find out. No big deal. We're eating my uh, the uh, deductible, so I get it. It's not a huge deal. But just out of curiosity, if you're driving, uh, getting onto 270 from 161, there were cones set up to make a lane. Uh, this was at 4 a.m. yesterday and a construction barrel in the middle of that said lane that I smashed into and wrecked my car. Um, so there was no signs leading up to it. There was no road closed, no nothing. I mean, there was a clearly marked lane by cones. I took it and then was blocked immediately uh, and wrecked my car. So my husband called and found out there was an oil spill in the area overnight they cleaned it up at 1.30 in the morning, and the cones were supposed to have been cleaned up after that cleanup, and they were not. Uh, everything, everybody was gone, just cones and barrels in the road. And uh, so well, one less nobody, barrel after you hit one it. One less barrel. Know. I destroyed it. <laughs> but um, nobody like ODOT, the company who dropped off the barrel, said, oh, we just drop them off. We don't pick them up. ODOT was like, yeah, they were supposed to be picked up by the cleanup crew. The cleanup crew's like, that's not our responsibility. Uh, which is fine. It's 250 bucks, but it's 250 bucks. I would have rather spent on something else. Right. So, this is a whodunit question. Who's yeah. at fault? This is like, uh, you remember the old family circle, the comics, there was always like little bubbles that say, who's responsible? I don't know. Not me. Uh, yes. and it's like, uh, <laughs> that's what you got here. And you know, I don't think you are responsible for this or should be responsible for this. Generally speaking, if I negligently left something in the road and then you unwittingly came upon it caused and it caused you to crash, I would be the one responsible for that. Uh, and this should be no different. Now, what do you do about it? I would say this. I would contact your insurance company. I would say, I don't know, not me, but all I know is that somebody else should fix this. Somebody else should pay for this and they should seek indemnification from whoever is responsible. And it sounds to me like it might be the government uh, or at least an agent hired by the government to fix the roads. Um, and contrary to popular opinion these days, the government is not perfect. It is not good at uh, everything, as people would think. And it is it is fundamentally capable of the same incompetence and negligence as the rest of us. And somebody here has left a cone out there. Uh, it caused an accident, uh, and you know, fortunately, nobody's hurt. But uh, I would uh, I would I would make sure your insurance company knows this and. You know, if you want to on, it's going to be, you're going to have to deal with the ramifications in all likelihood as an incident on your driving record for insurance purposes. Hopefully that doesn't change much, but uh, to the extent that there can be reimbursement, uh, I would definitely have your insurance company seek it from the government. If they do not, we can write a letter for you 
uh, to the government and try to recover your deductible. Um, I dare you to try to get $250 out of them, but we can certainly try and I'll be happy to do it <laughs> pro bono. Oh, I will do you, it for Steve. free. <laughs> All right. So if you guys want to get up with Steve right now, 821-9970, we'll do a text message as well at 99700. We'll come back with Steve Palmer from Yavich and Palmer. Your calls right after this. All right. Steve Palmer on the phone right now with legal advice for you. Absolutely free. So we have Bob standing by on line one here, Steve. He has a tax attorney question. Bob, you're on with Steve Palmer. Go ahead. Hi, Dan. My question is, I hired uh, a tax attorneys because I didn't file my taxes for like 10 years and I'm just in trouble with the IRS. I hired these tax attorneys and paid them over $18,000 in two years. They never did anything at all. Uh, wow. I also hired an accountant. My accountant took care of everything, got it all situated within months. And I called the tax attorneys back and asked them if they ever did anything. And they said, yeah, they talked to the IRS. And I spoke to the IRS and they said they'd never even talked to anybody. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear this. I, I you know, without intervening too careful or too closely here, I would say, generally speaking, we attorneys, uh, like everyone, uh, we have our own flaws. Uh, I, I can't say what they did was right. I can't say what they did was wrong. But if they if they took too much money for what they did, or if they promised something they couldn't deliver, or if they just screwed up, uh, you know, we have like doctors malpractice insurance, and we are subject to the same laws as everybody else. So if I hired somebody to come build a garage for me, and then they just didn't do it, or they did it incorrectly. I have a lawsuit I could file against them. Lawyers are the same. Now, the good news is lawyers also have the they have bar associations. We have uh, governing bodies, uh, presumably where uh, disgruntled clients, whether it's a fee dispute, whether it's a uh, something else, they can file a grievance and they can seek some help that way. So I would encourage you to do that. I would, and but before I did even that, I would I would encourage you to talk to these lawyers. If, and I'm sure you have. It sounds like you have, but. I would ask them for documentation of what they did, uh, an itemization of what they did, how they came up with the bill, uh, the services they provided for the money, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, I, it's like any other dispute and dispute resolution, pro- resolution process. Maybe there's some middle ground, uh, at least I hope. Uh, and if all that fails, uh, you can give us a call, 614-224-6142. We can refer you to somebody who can help represent you in a contract dispute uh, against the the law office, or you can always try the bar associations. Uh, and again, I'm really sorry to hear this happened. I hate it when uh, when people feel badly about working with lawyers because, frankly, most people hate lawyers anyway, and this just makes it worse. Yeah. All right. Hey, Bob. Right. Thanks so much for the phone call, man. Appreciate All you. Right. Thank you. All right, Garrett. Garrett. So, sorry. Uh, with a refund question on line three. Garrett, how are you, bro? What's your question for Steve Palmer? Uh, my question is, is um, I, I returned a pair of sunglasses that my fiance got for me and they accepted the return back and we, she, we put, uh, we had split the payments up because we're trying to get our credit up. So we put half the money on our credit card and the other half on the debit card. When I returned and the lady took the return back and she ran my credit card twice through there and said, well, if the money goes back on your credit card, let us know and we'll work it out and we'll get it fixed. So I, I gave it a few business days and half the money came back on my credit card, but the other half of the money didn't go back onto my debit card. I called the lady and I'm like, Hey, uh, can we get this, can we get this worked out? She, and I, I told her, I reminded her who I was 
And she says, oh, I remember you like it was yesterday, and the glasses you brought into me were fake. Well, she returned half my money, and she's refusing to return the other half of my money, even though she accepted the return. Now, the the money that she did refund, you said that went back on your credit card? Yeah. Now, what is your is your debit card also act like a Visa or a or a, or a credit card? You know what I'm talking about? Does it say? Does it? How's it work? Like, can you do both uh, debit and credit on your card? That no, no, because we have like I do direct deposit into my debit account. Okay. Well, I guess I would do this. Uh, call your debit card company. I don't know who your bank is, but call them and see if the, there is a means to dispute the transaction. Now, this is why, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I think uh, the world going to this all electronic payment is a little bit is problematic. On the other hand, there there is a reason why that we pay an extra percentage or so uh, with our credit cards. It gives you a little bit of protection. They they have agreed uh, the the companies that uh, that process that stuff have have agreed to represent you. And if you dispute the transaction, they a lot of times have a process where they go to bat for you. They're going to require. Uh, the company to explain uh, and 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 offer some evidence that they are entitled to the money, and you can say, "Well, look, I I never the glasses were returned. I got half my money on the other place, and I dispute this transaction." And see what they say. Short of that, I don't know what the cost of all this was. I don't know the cost of the glasses, but if you if you elect to go try to pursue a legal case, it's probably not enough to hire a lawyer. I mean, there, there's always a curve crossing moment where it's like, all right, $500 is what I can win. And then it's going to cost me $1,000 in legal fees to win it. And my legal fees probably aren't going to get paid. So it's a zero or it's a less than zero transaction for you. So uh, there is, however, something called small claims court. And you can always go file a lawsuit in small claims court. And it's designed for this kind of thing. Now, again, there's filing fees and there's time and there's headache and there's hassle uh, and you might be dealing with an amount that is small enough to make it just out of reach to justify doing anything other than just trying to challenge it by the banks and credit companies. But uh, either way, man, that sucks. Uh, all I could say is try, and you very well may find that you can dispute this successfully. Okay. Good luck to you, Garrett. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Randy, do we have text? We have one on text. Okay, so this guy said, my boss opened my mail addressed to me, and he says, I understand that's perfectly legal. My question regards the contents of the mail open. It's contained a gift credit from a local book reseller. One of those credits is $20, was for me as my name was on the list of recipients. He never gave it to me, even though I specifically asked in writing. Is this a criminal matter? Yeah, it does seem kind of weird. I mean, I've, I've heard of businesses being able to open your mail. Is that under any circumstance? All right. All right. I need to, I, 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 I missed something in the, in the curve here. So the, repeat that to me, please. All right. So this is a teacher, I guess, because she's saying a principal, a principal open mail addressed to her. Okay. And he thinks it's perfectly legal, but her question is she asked for the gift credit from a local book reseller and they mailed it to her. That's what was the contents of this letter. One of those credits is 20 bucks and it had my name on it and I've asked for it in writing to the boss, but she has not given it to me. Okay, so it sounds like there's two things going on. One, somebody else opened her mail and two, they kept the gift credit. Yeah, that's yeah. a crime. You can't, st- I mean, I, I, I don't know about opening the mail. I mean, here's the thing, in my office, for instance, I get mail that comes to me, but I have given authority to my staff to open my mail 
and there's sort of a, an unwritten set of rules. Like they know what looks personal and what doesn't, but it's not always right, obvious. Course. Yeah, I mean, it's like well, what about what about you've heard at, at different places of uh, of business, like where if they have employees and they say if you get a letter addressed to you at this business, we reserve the right to open any mail that comes to our business. Is that something that's like legally bound? I I, I guess it's legally bound to the ex- maybe. May, to the extent that you have a policy and you tell people, uh, here's what it is, and they agree, well, you know, it's it's really hard later if you got personal mail. Now, on the other hand, I think there's always exceptions to those kind of things. So, uh, you know, the rule at my office is I'm not going to get upset at anybody if they open something that I didn't think they should open. And most of the time they know right away. Now, here in this case, I don't know what the I don't know what the rules of play were. I don't know what the understanding is or was. Uh, so I can't really comment on that. I will say this: if whoever opened the mail kept the gift receipt of twenty bucks or the gift card of twenty bucks, well, I mean they can't do that. That's theft. You can't do that. Uh, so somebody has stolen twenty dollars from this innocent party, our caller, our a listener, yeah. And, yeah. and a teacher. Uh, and she deserves, or he deserves, I don't remember if it's he or she, they deserve their money back. So I would say make a written demand to whoever is keeping your $20 gift receipt and or gift uh, credit and demand it back. And if they don't, then go file a police report if you want. I mean, now here's the other side of the, co- of the coin. <laughs> it's like, this is your employer, it sounds like. And, you know, you are laying the groundwork for a very rocky relationship and as all dispute resolution go, resolution goes, and maybe this is a broader lesson for everything that's going on in our country, maybe find some middle ground first. Maybe ask uh, what's going on, try to figure it out, and see if there is a place where you can uh, agree as opposed to disagree. Because we are talking about 20 bucks. It would be absurd to uh, ruin a job and a job relationship over $20 for either party. So... Anybody's got questions about that, give me a shout, 614-224-6142. I'll be happy to give some further advice, but it's the best I can do here on the fly. All right, we have one more here at line two. This is a tax problem. Oh, all right, so we'll we'll end on a text. Okay, this is a text. It's about littering. Uh, this person says, <laughs> wrongfully charged for littering. My friends threw a party at a campground. They called me asking me to come pick them up because they were drunk. I drove there. Then they ended up getting really angry with me, so I left. Basically, they completely trashed the place, ended up getting charged with littering. So tonight, they come to my work, pull me off the job, and ask me about my involvement. And I told them exactly what had happened. They're still charging me with littering. Is this even legal? Well, legal it is. Whether they can prove it is a whole other story. And I would add this. Um, Whenever police, government agents, uh, pseudo-government agents, probably uh, here, I don't know if this was a state camp, I don't know what this was, but... Uh, you don't have to answer questions and you don't have to talk because it is true. You know, we've seen it on go back to Starsky and Hutch. Anything you say can and will be used against you or any other old police show. We used to look at that as we were kids saying, what does that mean? Well, it means they're going to use what you say as a confession, misinterpret it and charge you with crimes. Now, the good news is there are awesome lawyers out there like Yavich and Palmer, for instance, who would uh, be happy to assist in a case like this and defend a littering case. It is legal for them to charge you if they have a good reason or a reasonable reason to do it, they being the government. It is not legal for them to convict you if there is not enough evidence to prove the case. 
Uh, and that's a big distinction. This is why you want to be cautious about giving them any evidence, giving them any explanation without knowing first what they're really doing. So uh, if you want help with this, happy to do it. If you want to talk off the air, which is probably a better way to do it, 614-224-6142. I can give you some more specific uh, insight into what I think. All right. Thanks so much, Steve Palmer from Yavich and Palmer. Each and every Wednesday, he drops by to give us free legal advice. And we appreciate it, Steve. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next week. All right, brother. Talk to you then. All right. You know, the typical uh, array of questions. Littering. Littering. Campground. COVID, COVID campgrounds. Well, you know what I mean? So when were they at the campground? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, it's, well, I remember back in the day, and you might too, you know, Elm Creek Campground is a great little campground and it's open all year round. Yeah. And uh, we used to camp there back in high school days all the time. I never, I never did. I mean, no. I, that's my stomping grounds too. I yeah. mean, that was up in big walnut turf. You go out there and get a spot. We don't even have to put up a tent. You know what I mean? You just park your cars and drink beer. Yeah. Walk around, you know, you got all the trees that are falling down, firewoods everywhere. There's like nobody camping there. Yeah. And there's just a drop box. So you go up there, you put money in there and say you're an A7, whichever ones you picked out. I remember we went up there for spring break, you know, and uh, my, my mom and dad had a 35 foot prowler travel trailer. But I took it up there, and we'd stay up there for the week. Not a bad way to go. I know people that do. What's the other one up there? There's another one up there. I've, I went up there one time with the kids for trick-or-treat, and it was- Like Brookshire? Uh, near That's that. like a private one. It was a private one, but it really awesome experience. You know, a lot of good- There's a whole culture of people <clears throat> that just RV it around and stay at those campgrounds, and you know, you go up to like Mohican area, and there's people that summer there. They put their camper there. They have their spots uh, parentally, is that the right word, or annually, whatever it would be. Every year they cut, they go and- uh, they got their their riverfront camp spot. You can tell they've been there for a long time. We got an offer to come up to Mohican to go sit at a. They don't call it a, It's not a timeshare, but as they explain it to you, it's like so. This is a timeshare. Oh, okay. you know I mean, it's the, not the a time. This isn't a timeshare. It was a presentation. You go up there, and they're yes. like, "Look, you just come up here. We're going to give you. I think whatever it is. It's like two weeks or fourteen days of free camping at any of their sites throughout the country. You know, you can just pick them. What a bargain. Um. So me and Shorty went there, and uh, we went through uh, with old Candy Kenny. This guy, uh, our, our our tour guide was named Kenny, and I call him Candy Kenny because this guy had candy everywhere. Like he, as we walked to this, he had like a pile of candy. Now it was like right after Halloween. Okay, so there's like leftover Halloween candy everywhere, and everywhere he went, he was getting candy. And they'd had some Halloween parties. So then he went to show us his area, but it was COVID. At the time, so he's like, usually we have, because they got a little stage and all this in there, but right now we're just storing candy in here. So he's like, you want some candy? Candy? He was eating candy. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how long it was. It was about four hours, maybe plus. It's a lot. And let me tell you something. Did you make it? Not worth time? it. No. Not worth it, man. I mean, we got the t certificate for the free days of camping. Now, is it, what's the catch? Okay. The catch is that they wanted to hound me, and whenever I said I didn't want to buy, then the other guy comes in, and why wouldn't you buy, and this is the savings that you're going to get. And I, the, the catch is they want you to, so now if I go, you can use it one week, two week, you know, pick two different places, whatever you wanted. So whenever I go turn in those free days, you know that somebody's going to come up on a golf cart to your campsite. Yeah, it's not like, so hey, free. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, we just love for you to come down to uh, have a cup of coffee and a Danish, and uh, then they'll get you back in trying to sell it to you. Yeah, the, the hard sell. I, I remember as a kid going to one of those with my dad and my mom, and I think, I think my brother and sister, we all went up there because there was a free gift promise or whatever it would be. 
and you get see this was before like 14 free days i mean that, that was in the days when you get like a thermos like i i remember we got like the coffee pumper thing remember when those first came out everybody thought those were oh, this those were good those were good and it, it was like a cheap you know version of that and and at the end i remember thinking i am sick of this this what, is awful. what color plaid was it I think it was it was plaid. It was plaid. It was I know. Red and black tartan. Yep. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Red and black tartan. They used to have a green one and a blue one, I believe. Yeah. I think we had the red one too. It's like red and orange, kind of in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know. The, it, and then after a while, the pump starts. The spring gets kind of sideways. It was cheap. And right. it, <laughs> it was cheap. Yeah. I think that we went to the same thing. Yeah. So we did that, and I quickly realized what that was and what it is. And you see them all over the place. Like if you're in in a vacation in Mexico at one of the resorts, they try to they suck you into their little web and kill a day. And you know, so maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not for you. But sometimes I like doing those things just to meet guys like Candy Kenny. Yeah. And, you know, it's now four hours is. Uh, it was long. The best part was the golf cart ride around the camps area there, and there's a nice view, and they had a deck. Fall day, it sounds it was, like. Yeah, it was it was it was a nice day, but uh, that was the best part. And there was another company that had gave me a thing to go check out, and I threw that shit away. <laughs> Not again, actually. They again. were calling me, trying to give me to schedule a time, and I was like, "This, yeah, you know, I went through with this company, and they they ruined it for you." Yeah, sorry, you know, because they're the one that that company could have gone to Indian Lake, got the playbook. Don't like it. Yeah, don't like, like it. it. Well, you know, then we had the guy with the cheap sunglasses. Um, what really knocked him out was that cheap sunglasses. Horrible. Cheap sunglasses. Yeah. No. It's ZZ a, Top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he wears them at night. Ah, uh, Rick Springfield. No, um, that wasn't Rick Springfield. No, was, who was it? I, it was a one. I don't know. I wear my. That's not Rick Springfield. Glasses at no. Well, for some reason, I thought it was. I don't even care enough to look it up right but now. But I'm gonna tell you that's around the Rick Springfield era. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, Rick Springfield uh, was hot. Yeah, he was hot. He was an Aussie actor. He well, was a soap opera actor. We'll I have to look that up. General right. Hospital, I think. Whoever wore their sunglasses at night. Uh, yeah, I could look it up right. Now. Everything, all I have, all the tools are in front of me to look that up, and I just don't feel like it. But so on the littering thing there, so it sounds like they had a party and uh, somebody caught his plate number or something. Or I, I mean, he said he went there, they got mad at him, so he left them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what was going on. You know, maybe they they needed a ride, maybe they were booted and they needed a ride and they needed somebody to get. There's always more to the story one way or another. And, you know, this is why a good segue to discuss the attorney-client privilege. When there's things like that going on, there's a reason I would ask people to if we're really getting into that kind of thing probably not something you want to air out on on publicly on the radio so i don't always say i'm giving away freely but in fact i don't think i am at all i think what i'm doing is sort of commenting on problems and issues and if somebody wants real legal advice obviously the best way to do it is to call me call a lawyer call somebody who has an attorney client privilege that means the things that you tell your lawyer in the confines of that conversation meaning nobody else there that isn't either an attorney working for the attorney, then it's privileged. Then they can't use it against you. Then your attorney or anybody else cannot be called in to say, hey, what'd that dude tell you? Um, so, yeah, it's important. On the other hand, I think uh, we do here at Lawyer Talk provide a valuable service to the listening public of the Blitz by commenting on issues. Um, not to mention Kelly Quinn's issue, you know, the government overreach, the heavy hand, orange barrel government leaving a cone in the road. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to that one right there. That could go multiple ways. It's like 
where were you? Now, what time did she say this was? She said it was four in the morning. Four I mean, in the morning. She's going to her work. You know, yeah, that's what she's, she does. she's heading yeah. into work. Yeah, they just blew it. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I've I have come, it, and it might not even be them. So what what likely happens is you got these barrels out there. Somebody at three in the morning is coming through a little blurry eyed from whatever it is they've been up to. Well, now actually take that back because ten o'clock is closing time. Everybody yes. follows that rule. Nobody drinks after 10. So after uh, maybe somebody's a little bleary-eyed or tired and they nick a barrel and it ends up in the middle of the road and the next person coming along happens to be Kelly Quinn going to her job at the Blitz and bingo, she whacks it. Uh, so there's an intervening cause in that maybe, but none of it happens if they just take the barrels away. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever whacked a barrel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I like, like her in the middle of the road. Like it's been in the middle. I'm like, oh, yeah. there's always that moment when you're driving where you're like, all right, I can hit this or hit that. Or I can do this yeah. or I can do that. And you have no choice. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, do I do I want on the, do I want a punch in the nose or do I want it on the side of the head? I'll take the side of the head. I was coming back from South Carolina. It was in the middle of the night. Had people in the car. We went to a wedding. It's foggy and there was construction barrels out. And I don't even know where this one came from, but it hit my mirror. And when it hit the mirror, it was loud. It's loud. I mean, yeah. it was loud, and it whacked, and it broke the mirror, and it smacked it in. I remember there were people sleeping in the car, and they woke up. Everybody's like, ah, you know, I'm frightened. I remember my girlfriend at the time was yelling at me. I was like this. Shut up. Yeah, what do you think? Is I was like, on? do you look at my broken mirror? I'm like, not that happy about it. I was like, it's foggy. I didn't see this damn thing. Yeah, this like is- I said, you mean, literally, I mean, I didn't see it. Yeah, what do you, this is what I always tell people. When, when I when that happened to me and people in the car, yeah, whatever it is, I was like, do you think I did this on purpose? Do you think yeah. I was like, I'm going to hit this object, break my mirror just to wake you up and scare you? Awesome. Yeah, no, that wasn't the plan at all. Good, but, good prank. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've left the studio here when they were doing because they do the late night construction a lot. And uh, I remember a number of times to where I couldn't get home. Because they were doing a lot of work there on that at that area, 270 to 161 to downtown here. And I remember one night I was driving, and there's barrels coming up, and I was like, am I in a lane or off of a lane? I didn't know where I was at. And it's, I've been the same way, and you did, like, you're driving, you're just like, hmm, I'm in no man's lane. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? Am I supposed to be here? Now, I've had people driving at night. I, this happened not that long ago. Someone's driving at night, left the bars here. Uh, and I don't think they, they were accused of drinking alcohol, but it was, there was a designated driver scenario, but they, and this has happened to me too before when the police have a bunch of stuff up and they've got roads blocked off and you find yourself like at a barricade and you're like, how did I get here? Because all I did was, was follow, you know, I just, you just didn't see it. And these cops went ballistic on this gal. I mean, they went crazy and they accused her. You didn't see us and you didn't, you saw us and you didn't do this. And you, you did this on purpose and you didn't obey our orders. And they charged her with all sorts of offenses. And I think it turned out it was like a shooting investigation. And you had these guys out there with a yellow tape and the stuff. And she didn't know what was going on. The case was dismissed. I mean, that's the good news. That's good. Because it can happen too. Like you said, they got things blocked and you're like, well, well I, I, and then you're like, well, this is the way I always go. Or maybe I've never been here before and it's telling me to go here. You'll try it. Where should have I go? I didn't, you know I mean? You're, and you get very confused. It's and, okay. You can be confused. Yeah. Everybody out there. It's okay to be confused. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. It's going to happen. Particularly not the government or the police. What was the other? What was another call or text you had in there? We had the credit card sunglasses. We did talk about cheap sunglasses, but we didn't really give that, that due. It. You have this That's scenario where if you, and I imagine this is coming up a lot. I mean, and I got to confess, man, I've ordered a bunch of crap online in the last year 
for my remodel, for whatever, because I don't like going out anyway, and it's easier. Um, I am terrible about returning things. No, oh, the worst. You know, it's like you have these lockers. I don't even know how to do it. I, 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 I suppose I could just. I have returned one thing on Amazon. And it was a monumental headache. I had to go over to High Street to some place and put it in a locker or do something. Gosh, it was a pain. And now they got them, I think, at like Giant Eagles and other. It's easier now. Oh, yeah. The, the Amazon, I got a, a friend of mine. He owns a, a, a UPS store. Oh, yeah. They probably like a contract with him, right? Oh, man. Drop it off. Right now, he said that like Dyson, every time somebody comes in and does a Dyson return, he gets anywhere from 30 to $45. It's a good contract, man. That's what he said. So he should just go buy Dysons and return them all day long. He's and uh, he gets he gets an Amazon. I mean, every, for everybody that comes in, he does. He's like, I do nothing. Hey, just they give him. The, he's like, they, they put it in a pile, and then a truck comes by and picks up the pile. It's just a, a place. I mean, he's got to scan it in. You know, what I mean, that's all he does. Beep, beep, bop. Then it goes to their system to where they know it's there. And uh, he bought that about a year ago, and uh, Corona has, has treated it very well. It's he's got the one that's in uh, Clintonville. <laughs> So he's got a good area. A lot of people walk around and stuff, you know. And, and What's crazy to me is that I had somebody ask me about two years ago. They wanted to buy a UPS franchise. That was me. I wanted to buy FedEx. No, it was somebody else. Okay. So I know exactly the franchise I'm talking about. I know where it was. I know everything about it. And I'm not going to mention who it was. But it, it was like we did that. We picked apart the numbers. I saw the building. I saw this. And I was like, yeah, don't do it. It just didn't make any sense at the time financially. And then I was thinking, you know, Amazon has their own little uh, delivery system anyway. Sooner or later, they're just going to take all this crap over and you're going to be out of business. Well, it turns out how wrong I was about that. You know, now your buddy bought one. Corona hits. I got, yeah, I mean, it's... Sell now, is all I can say. That's, that's what he said. He said that, uh, well, he wants to buy another one. Mm. I'd cash out on that one. I don't know. I think that uh, I think you're going to have some time. I think that uh, with the returns, just just going. But now, like you said, Giant Eagle, Coles. That's what's happening. There's all you kinds know, there's of, of, of places, but like the cable companies have that too. I go to uh, yes. I have to go to Mailbox Plus, or maybe it's a UPS or FedEx. Something FedEx, wherever they had a contract. I just and it was e- it was easy. I just said I just I didn't wrap, pack, do anything. I brought in a bunch of crap yep. in a box. You drop it off like a like a an, a used box and said here. I hate this cable company. Take it away forever, and uh, they did, and that was it. Mm. So I, you know, I. But with this whole sunglass thing, I was trying to think about it too. Whenever he, they did the split thing, credit cards will usually come back first if they filed on the other half on the on the split charge for a debit. A debit return can take up to thirty days. Okay, so and that's reading the. So you're well, you're giving him good advice here. You're, you're a good comment. Yeah. Read the little, the small print. Read the agreement on the debit card because most of those debit cards will say Visa or MasterCard or something on them. And I'm pretty sure that will give him the protection to dispute a transaction. And then, like you said, maybe it comes back in 30 days and uh, it's there. I always say, like, if I'm at Home Depot doing a return or if I'm at um, where, where I've got a weird thing, because sometimes I buy stuff on a gift card, sometimes I buy it on a credit card. And they say, well, we can give you some of it back this way. And some, I say, put it on a gift card. If unless I unless it's like a million or a thousand dollar purchase or like a refrigerator or something, but I want it back in the way I can use it the quickest and most liquid, and it's in my hand today because I just don't trust people not to make mistakes. I'm not saying they're ripping you off, but it's you know, come on, it's complicated. Well, right now I ordered some bottles for hot sauce in November, mm. and they kept saying we're going to be late. Sorry for the late, 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 late. Right now I said your package may still show up. 
but would you like, you can return it. So then I click, it's from Amazon. I mm-hmm. click on the return and it tells me, uh, why do you want to return it? Never got it. It's like, never got it. And then you got, you got to pick a selection, right? There's so many words that it says. There's no never got it in there. So I, it says too late. So I typed in too late and that little memo box and said product never arrived. And then you hit enter and they're like, we will submit this to seller. Yeah. So I haven't heard back on that. Yeah. That one's like, you know, what do you do there? I mean, it's I 45 I, bucks. I know not enough, but just enough. Yep. Just enough to piss you off. Not enough to waste a day figuring it out. It drives me nuts. Well, and then there's, you know, I guess the, the equivalent is, and I who was I talking to recently that's told me this about their mom or somebody, or maybe it was like a comedy. I don't know what it was, but there's always the person in the grocery store line that will go talk to the manager over like the dollar discrepancy or like this tomato was on sale. I should have gotten three for one. It's only this and that. And it just makes you want to pull out your wallet and say, here's two bucks, man. Take it. It's a gift. Get a free tomato today. But no, there's people that it, the principal and I can't fault it. It just, to me, the headache, I, my, I start to sweat when I think about all the logistics of going through a, a hundred dollar grocery bill receipt that has 50 items on it and trying to figure it out while there's 20 people waiting in line. I, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, screw it. Keep the damn tomato. I lost 10 bucks at a car wash the other day. One of those zip it in, yep, zip it out. I man. zipped it in and it was like, oh, first you select. I selected, please enter 10 bucks. Enter 10 bucks. And I kept saying, please enter $10. Then I'm hitting change. I'm hitting all kinds of buttons and I got nothing. So I just left. Mm, that drives me crazy. You know, and what's even more crazy is the same car wash did it to me, but it's probably about, I don't know, years ago. Yeah. Probably about five years ago. And uh, I called the number. I got Yeah, nowhere. Right, I got of course. Nowhere. Right, you get nowhere. And it's, it, it, is 10 bucks worth it? Sometimes it is, I guess. Like, yeah, like, like that one bucks. right there is a little, that, that, one's, that one's a little more irritating than the $2, $1, you know, discrepancy there. But it's kind of just like, hmm. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, you know what I did? I went to the next bay, put $10 in that one, and it worked. And it worked. So it cost you 20 for that car wash. Yes, that car wash was $20. Now, I will. I have often, and to this day will do it, even though I know it's psychologically foolish, I will shoot myself in the foot if I feel like I'm ripped off and, and, and leave, like I'll leave. Or like if I'm really hungry and I'm waiting in line and it's taking too long or somebody's doing this and or like I need a haircut and, and I feel like it's, it's something happened that's not fair, I'll leave. And I'll be like... All right, jackass. Now you're not getting that, and you left, and now you got to go back and deal with it again. And there's always that point where my my blood boils over, and I can't stand it no more. And you, there's nothing you can do. So I just like, well, screw them. They're not getting my business, and then I leave. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting their service either. <laughs> so that sucks. I wanted my car washed, but maybe you go to the next place. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Then we got a guy looking at his tax attorney. Yeah, he was looking for a tax. So this is a good one. Uh, I think that requires more comment. Um, legal billing is, is a, is an interesting phenomenon. Lawyers can bill in a couple of different ways or several different ways. You can have hourly billing and what hourly billing on its face would be is that they keep track of their time. So you have to ask what is, what gets billed, what doesn't get billed. And generally speaking, I think it's become pretty standard to bill at 0.1 hour increments. And for if you don't want to do the math, it's six-minute increments. So if I do something on your case that doesn't take quite six minutes, it gets billed as six minutes. 
And you would ask, well, why is that? How is that fair? And I would ask the same thing because now there's software out there that you literally, if like the, the time billing lawyers have software, you click a clock, you can bill by the second if you wanted to. Um, but six minute increments is the, is sort of the standard. And I guess it makes sense because it's hard to capture time. I mean, the other, the lawyers would say it's hard to capture time that it took to stop what you were doing, to take that phone call, to hang up that call and get back to what you're doing. And if you just took it, the phone call, you're not capturing the before and after yet it's time lost. Um, so if you're, if your contractor charges you to go to, uh, the lumber yard to pick up all the supplies like X miles for lumber pickup, you might think, well, that's crap, man. Cause the other contractor wasn't charging me for that. Oh yes, he was. Yes, he was because he charged you more for the job than he did. It, or it's he baked in the cake, right? Or he doesn't know how to bill. Right. So you, you can't get, there's always some explanation. Now there's always times also though, where there's an overreach by contractors, by lawyers, by whoever. And, there is a process. Uh, I I don't think I, I don't know that it's even necessary, frankly, for the bar association process. I think there are court systems out there. You just go, you do whatever else you would do if you got ripped off. But you know, there's a self-governing body for attorneys, and you can go lodge a complaint for overbilling or or whatever it is, and then the the bar association will send a letter to the attorney, and they will say, please provide an explanation and documentation to support your bill. Um, now sometimes people equate outcome with bill. My business is one that is uniquely susceptible to that. I paid this criminal defense lawyer X dollars and I lost my case and you know, we're not allowed to do that. I can't tell you, you hire me, you win. And if you don't win, you don't pay. If I do that, I'm committing an ethical violation. The one area of law where you can do that is personal injury. Lawyers do this. They say we don't get paid unless you get paid. Call me right there. Got volcanoes yeah. going off in the background, and you know, you know, the you, everybody knows the guys, um, and that's legit. Except, except, it's like anything else. The client often only wants the upside. That's how it is. Only wants the upside. And so say they think, well, you're getting 30% of this. And I'm like thinking, well, the only reason you're getting anything is because we're taking, th- you know, it's, it's this, it, it always is a dispute. And I'll take both sides of it for a second. The client side, all too often, they don't know what they paid for. They don't know. And shame on the lawyer for not telling the client what they paid for. All too often, lawyers overbill cases by, uh, back to the hourly billing, I've heard of attorneys saying like, all right, I charge you 0.6 because I got up out of my chair, went to my file drawer, picked up the file, 0.6, or 0.1, six minutes, even though it was like 10 seconds. Sat down, took a deep breath, a drink of coffee, picked up the file, 0.1. Reviewed file, 0.1. Now, if you took the, if you, I've done this, I've looked at bills before, I've looked at what the lawyers have done. If I added all that up, it's more than, you know, the whole thing, it's nonsense. Uh, so I've always been careful about hourly billing that way. And I just, ordinarily, I just, I I tell people, if you call me and you want me to bill you hourly, I will, you might regret it because it, it adds up fast. Now take the lawyer's side. They had to do a lot of work. 
They, these attorneys could have done a lot of work. They could have done a lot of research. They could have made a lot of calls. They could have written a lot of letters. They could have done whatever. I don't know what they did. Uh, and it, they should have, I hope, documented the work. And if the work resulted in a result, does that make sense? If the work didn't result in what the outcome, you know what I'm trying to say. If the outcome didn't match what the client wanted, then, uh, you know, maybe well, it doesn't and that's why fair. that's why he said they did nothing. Mm-hmm. Which he doesn't know that they did nothing. Or, or maybe they did do nothing, but... Could be. You know what I mean? He, what happened was that he didn't get the result he wanted, so right. they did nothing. Right. And it... But now, then again, he did say that he hired an accountant that fixed everything. They got it done, which and I are, believe that could happen. You know what I mean? probably the case. A good, a, a good accountant a lot of times can straighten it out. They know where to file and go through and do everything on there. It's dicey, though, because here's what you got when you called that lawyer that you didn't get when you called that accountant. Privilege. You got a privilege to tell that attorney that you committed crimes. That is, you didn't file your tax returns and you knew it. It is a federal offense to do that. Now, you go to the accountant. I I don't know what he said. Um, People just do. And you go to an accountant, they're going to say, yeah, no problem. I'll just file some amended returns. Most of the time, nothing ever happens. Yeah, but if it does, then you got yourself a problem. So I've had cases where it's a tax, there, there's taxable implications. And I'll call an attorney who does tax work and say, listen, I happen to represent a guy. And you know what I do for a living, Mr. Tax Lawyer. I represent people accused of crimes. I'm telling them what's going on. They've told me things that I think are criminal. And I need a privilege. I can't just say, go hire an accountant. Because as soon as you tell the accountant what you did, there's no privilege. You've, you've, you've confessed, in theory, to crimes. And my dad was a, an assistant United States attorney. He was a teacher for, of law, but then eventually he took a sabbatical and was at AUSA. And he used to always say this. If I want the, if I want the white-collar crook, I'm not going to go after uh, uh, the, the white-collar guy. I'm going to go after his accountant. And in fact, I'm not going after the accountant. I'm going after the, after the accountant's secretary. Or the att- accountant's secretary, and he was making a point that uh, you go where the records are. And you get them to turn, and now you've got something. So when they're going after the mobsters, if you if you turn the screws on the mob accountant, everybody's seen the movie. I mean, what is it? Um, Lethal Weapon. Joe Pesci was a uh, was the crook's accountant. So they were driving around with him, protecting him. But yeah, it's like that's the deal. And uh, ultimately, it's a gut call. So if somebody will call me and say, "Look, I didn't file a tax return for the last five years. I got this construction business. What do I do?" I'll pick up the phone. I might call my accountant. I might call a tax lawyer. I just make a decision. Uh, most of the time, if it's just a, if it's an oversight or a lapse or people are just foolish and they haven't, they're not concealing a criminal enterprise, you can almost always get away with filing, but I, I, it, it don't take that as gospel, get advice, call the lawyer first and then go from there. So that's a dicey one. Now, as far as the bill goes, eh, you know, if it's an hourly bill and they can justify it, watch out. If it's an hourly bill and they can't justify it, attorney beware. Uh, the other type of billing we should talk about is flat rate billing. So I, uh, this is more ordinarily what I do. Somebody comes in for a drunk driving case, they want to know the cost. What's it cost? And boom, flat rate. If I told there are lawyers out there that still do that stuff hourly, and it, most of the time I end up, I would end up making more money if I billed it hourly than I would if I did it at a flat rate. Uh, but I think it's it, there's a value to it for the client to know what the cost is up front, for the l- lawyer to know what the cost is up front, and then to go forward. I do, however, always leave room for the unintended or unexpected problem that could arise. You come in for a DUI and it doesn't, I can't charge you a flat rate that would be the same 
just to get you through it versus having a jury trial. Just yeah. it doesn't make any sense. So I, a lot of times I'll, I'll do like a hybrid. I'll graduate it. X, if we can resolve it. Y, if we have to go to trial. Um, and then the other thing, the only other final thing I would say is when you engage an attorney, understand the scope of work that is being contemplated. Understand it. I can't represent somebody in a criminal case uh, and I give them, well, say I give them a fee to do the trial and the fee is whatever it is, a hundred dollars and say after the trial, it didn't go well, hardly ever happens to me, but after the trial, it didn't go well. Um, that was a joke. It didn't go well, but it, you end up having to appeal. I, the scope of my work doesn't include doing an appeal. The scope of my work generally will not include doing another trial. If there was a mistrial in the middle of it. Uh, and I always leave room for that. I have found without, almost without exception, it is easier to head these problems off in the conference room during the first meeting. I look at people and say, here's how this works, man. I'm going to charge you this. This is what it is. This is what it isn't. If you ever have any questions, please call. The biggest issue with attorney-client relationships is communication. And the second biggest or the equally big and related is communication about bills. Just, you know, that, that's, it's, that's simple. So, and, and maybe this guy is at fault. Maybe the attorney's at fault. Maybe, it's in, maybe he hasn't called the lawyer and said, what a bunch of BS, man. Give me a bill. I want to know why and what it is and justify it. I tend to. I mean, usually when you get it, it is kind of broken down, especially from the hour guys. But he said he had already paid them 18000 Yeah. So did he pay him before the work? You know, I mean, that sounds more like it was a flat fee or something. Maybe. 18000 It's a weird man. number. That's a weird number, man. It's a big number. And I would say this. There's one other thing. Attorneys have trust accounts. In Ohio, we call them IOLTA, uh, Individual Lawyer Trust Account, I think. Um, and what that means is this. I If if a client gives me my $18,000 for work that is contemplated but not yet performed, I stick that money into my trust account. It's an account that I have to have. And I use it because it is money I have not yet earned, so it's not mine. It is money that... I can bill against by agreement. It is also money that if I have not used it and my client comes to me and says, guess what? Joe Blow's doing it cheaper. I'm going to say, well, go hire Joe Blow. Here's your money back. And I'm not in my own back pocket because I stuck in my trust account. I didn't spend it. It's good financial prudence. If there's a fee dispute, lawyers are obligated generally to put the disputed amount in a trust account and wait for the resolution. And money gets tied up like that. You know, there was a case with F. Lee Bailey, a famous one, where they wanted money back or this or that. And, you know, there, there's lots of – or I think what he tried to do is take the uh, money that should have been forfeited. I don't remember. But there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on. I've always tried to take the high road, stick to money and trust. Somebody wants a refund. I got it. I haven't spent it. It didn't show up as a car or a new couch or a new phone or whatever it is. I mean, it's sitting in my trust account. I can refund it. Uh, I think if I were hiring a criminal attorney, particularly, I would ask that question. If I give you this money now up front, are you going to put it in your trust account or are you going to put it in your general checking account where it is commingled with all of your own money and all of other money and this and that and the other because it matters uh, if there's ever a dispute. So good question. I think think. Goldie Goldie billed me as an hourly ticket. I mean, it was fine. I mean, I was happy with the service that I got. Yeah, I was whenever I had to go through the divorce of the of the business. Yeah, uh, so, you know, and, and that's how he did his billing. Yeah, as it came down in that. And it's it's fair, you know. You could say it's not fair. It, a lot of times, you. you it know, wasn't. No, it wasn't bad. It was. I mean, it was fair. I, I felt. Was, I felt. 
Yeah. Like it was fine. And most of us will say, like, if I see a bunch of point ones in a row, like on a day, and that happens, you know, if I call you, we talk for a second, and there's something that's ongoing throughout the day, and then you call back, it's another point one. I got to call you back, it's another point one, and point one point. And I look at all that time, and I'm like, if I add all that up, it's not 36 minutes. You know, it's like five minutes. So I'll collapse it into 1.1, and I'll say uh, calls throughout the day. Or I might itemize it as that, and then in the extrapolation part of the spreadsheet, I'll say discount and just bill it once. Because if I got that bill, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, damn it, that wasn't 36 minutes of calls. We talked for an aggregate of about a minute. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I got it. All right, cool, see it, boom. Or a quick email, you get back and forth. And so I, I think most of us in the, maybe most of the smaller operations like mine would, I, I'm pretty mindful of that because, you know, you're just billing money in all the wrong places. It's, it's a bunch of nonsense. There's, and, but there are the ones, I know the lawyers. Well, I can justify it, man. I can justify it. It's like, yeah, go justify it. And this person's never hiring you again because it's an overreach. I felt I had an overreach on uh, I, 20 years ago on an attorney I used here in town for my DUI. Not me, I guess. No, say. it was not you. It was not you. No, and I and I'd got and I got to where I paid, and then I got another bill, hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I felt that I'd already paid enough, and it was kind of over and done. And uh, then I got a call, and they were like, uh, "You owe us this money." And I said, "You're a lawyer, sue me." There you go. I didn't get sued. No, you didn't get sued. I didn't pay. It. I don't like to sue people. You, for you, fees, you, yeah. But then again, it was like I pay. I already paid five grand. And you got it was another fifteen hundred, and it, and what was funny is that I'd paid the five up front, and then I got a bill for fifteen that had these itemized these these other phone calls and stuff on there, and I was like, I thought because I sat in his office, and he was like, you know, I wrote a check for five thousand dollars, I thought that was it, it was a DUI, I ended up pleading guilty, and you got another bill. See, I don't like that, and I there are times when I've done that. But only when there's a discussion. Here's what I tell people. Look, I'm going to charge you X dollars for your DUI. It may be more. It may be more. I hope not. And believe me, I've got plenty of work. I don't need to just bill you willy-nilly and and push this case to hearings and trials and everything else. But if there's a trial, it's going to cost you more. I'm telling you right now it's going to cost you more. But what will never happen to you is you will get a random bill in the mail beyond what I've told you the minimum fee is without an explanation as to why and how before I incur the extra expense. And I think that's fundamentally fair. It's like I had a contractor one time who pulled that crap on me. It's like I get this bill. He says he's going to dig the hole and build a thing, and, and I get this bill. It's like an extra 20000 because he ran into problems. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? And, and, and then the problems were obvious ones, like, well, we had to pay the city to come hook up the new electric in the sewer. And I was like, you didn't know that beforehand? Like, this was a – you feel like you got cheated and – to me, it's always better to say, listen, man, here's what it costs. If you're going to get a bill, then we are going to discuss whether it is the exact conversation I have. We're going to discuss the cost-benefit analysis of doing the extra work uh, versus just getting it done. Because, look, you can have a trial. They can offer you to plead guilty or you can have a trial. Trial is going to cost a lot of money. Is it worth it? Even if you win, is it worth it? And sometimes it's not. And like the bill you got without explanation doesn't make sense to me and it didn't make sense to you. So that's the problem. Now I do have people after they pay me, after I have that conversation with them, they call and say, how much do I get back? Now it's the other way around. Now I'm like, look, man, I was very fair to you. I completed this work. 
I did your case. I did what I promised. I didn't lie. I didn't cheat. And I didn't steal. And you got the benefit of my work. There is no refund. Well, then they get they complain even more. And it's it, some people are just contrary, and that's what they do. They complain about everything just to try to get a, a leg up, and th- that drives me nuts. Now, here's the little dirty secret that I have: is that I keep track of everything I do. We have a, we have memos, and I have notes, and I have a system that does that. And not everything, but in the main, I I keep track. And usually, when people call and they complain, I have a hundred phone calls documented and what we talked about. And I just send it to them and say, look, if you want to do this hourly, I'll be happy to convert it to hourly. You owe me an extra $5,000. That usually shuts them up. Yeah. Yeah. That usually takes care of the problem. But I think, uh, the, what's the takeaway? I don't remember what the take. Here's the takeaway. Have an upfront communication with your attorney before you write the big check, find out what it's all about, find out what they're billing, how they're billing it. If you want to have it hourly, then be ready for the hourly bill. If you want to have a flat rate, well, then be be ready for that discussion too. There's no perfect way. There's only there's only degrees of imperfect. So, you know, that's the... And, and don't expect to have it both ways. You can't have the upside and the upside of everything. All right. Well, this is, uh, I think, another good one. Good questions. I like it. I like it. Good stuff going on. Oh, I, got, I did have one question in the podcast. It's lawyertalk.com podcast. And this involved, what do you do if you are drunk and you crash your car and nobody sees it? If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around, does right. it make a sound? Now, the fact is, if you know the tree fell, then somebody may sound. That was the old Descartes. And you know what he said? He goes, well, God, I mean, the, the argument is, well, God hears it. So, therefore, it happened. Anyway, that's at least that's one of the theories. But no, you, so you sideswipe a couple cars on the way home from uh, from the bars. And you know where it used yes. to happen all the time, Northwest Boulevard. Oh, you know, the, I know. It's I like know. coming yes. from Grandview, and people just playing bumper cars. Yes, yes. In the old part of uh, Grandview, where the because real tight. you can do both sides, mm-hmm. and you can get caught mm-hmm. to where it's like you're facing somebody, and so it's like which guy goes where. Yeah, there's not even an open spot. You got to back up and find a driveway a couple times. Yep. Yep. So the first thing I would say is what the law says you should do. If you have an accident and you are aware, you have to stop, make a report, call the police, notify the other side, exchange information, and uh, and be done. At the same time, if you are under the influence of alcohol, you've got yourself, a, you're on the horns of a dilemma. Because now you're in a spot where you, in theory, are basically confessing to a crime. Well, that sucks because that's just how it is. You still have to follow the law. You do not, however have to answer questions once the police get there. So you said crash car. I saw like somebody running into a ditch, no other person involved. All right. That's a good question too. What do you do? It is a private property uh, uh, situation. If there's no private property damage, then you know you don't have to report yourself. Now, if there's private property the car, damage, you have to do something. Run down the find a ditch. <laughs> yeah, dude, find so a good the ditch. ditch. I'm a ditch yeah. guy. Right. I'm just saying that maybe I have hidden. In, I have hidden in a ditch. I, a time I hide in the ditch, make the call. Or I remember one time before the cell phone, I didn't have a cell phone, so I couldn't call anybody. I continued to hide in the ditch as I would walk. If I saw headlights coming, ditch time. Do some ditch diving. You don't know who it is. Could be a cop. Could not be a cop. Could be a good Samaritan. Ditch time. It is amazing, though. I remember as a kid, we'll just talk, we'll take it out of the criminal room. As a kid playing like Ghost in the Grave, or, you know, those games at night where you're looking for each other, hide and seek, it's like 
if you can hide in the shadows, even not a ditch, I mean, you can just hide in the shadows and people don't know you're there. They can be really close to you. Really close. And they don't know you're there. That's happened to me a couple times. And it's like spooky. It's like, holy crap, your, your heart's racing and, and these people are like feet away from you and they don't even know you. It's like a weird little uh, presence in the world. But uh, no, if you're in an accident, in theory, if there's any property damage at all, you should report it even to your own car. So uh, don't commit crimes. Now, if the police do get involved and they find that you have fled and they find that you have uh, evaded them and say you didn't listen to this and you didn't listen to me and you decided you're going to take the law into your own hands or the defense of your crime into your own hands and you're going you're gonna to run away, you've committed the offense of leaving the scene of an accident and hit skip. Um, if somebody is physically hurt, like if you've done, if you've really hurt somebody, well, now you're really screwing up. You get into felonies and all sorts of crazy stuff. But even if you're not drunk, but if you've committed the crime of hit skip and you wake up the next day and you're a little groggy and you look in your garage and there's your car with the telltale damage to it and you think, oh crap, what have I done? What am I going to tell my wife, my girlfriend or my boyfriend or whoever and how do I handle this? Um, the best way to look at this is you are standing in the middle of a minefield. And while you were sleeping, somebody picked you up on your bed and dropped your bed in the middle of a minefield and said, ha, now what? Well, if you take a step in the wrong direction, it's going to blow up and it's going to be horrible. Um, if you take a step in the right direction, you may survive it, but then you got to take another step and another step and another step till you get all the way out. I and you don't have a map. They didn't give you a map and say here's here's the way out. You're guessing. I have the map. The lawyer has the map. I can tell you what to do. What's the best advice? Stay where you are. Do not move. Do not make a do not say or do anything yet because until you step on the mine, you're okay. Now let's say the police knock on your door. Mr. Jones we know you're in there. We see your car out here with your license plate. We know you're in there. Answer the damn door and do not tell them anything. Do not make a statement. Do not say I'm the driver. Do not say I was driving. Do not say, oh no, Billy Bob was driving and he was taking my car. I met some girl and she drove me home and swide side. I didn't know what to do. So I just can't. No, 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 no. No lies, no denies, no confessions, no nothing. If And here's what you're doing. If the police... If the police do not know that you are the driver and you tell them that you're the driver, you have confessed to crimes. And for that, you have a right to remain silent. If the police cannot establish that you are the driver, uh, and but they think you're the driver and you confess, go back to the start. You're going to be convicted of hit skip and maybe even drunk driving if you're still wasted. Um, oh, that's a stretch too. But uh, it if you say, I am not going to make any statements, they will be pissed off. They will do whatever they can do to get you to uh, make statements. And all I can tell anybody when dealing with a government, the more they want you to confess to something, the less you should confess to something. The more they want you to talk and, quote, cooperate, the less you should cooperate. The more they say, well, we just want your side of the story. We've already got so-and-so's side. Now we just need yours. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to have to act on theirs. Tempting as it may be, shut your trap. Do not talk to them. All you have to say is, 
I listen to this lawyer all the time, and I'm going to invoke my right to remain silent unless and until I have a lawyer present. I'm never going to make any statements whatsoever. And they may very well say, all right, you're under arrest. Turn around. Give them your wrists. Cooperate fully. Give me a call, 614-224-6142. I will give you the map to the minefield and guide you out personally. Now, it may there may be some collateral damage, but you're not going to get killed. That's the... That's the moral of the story. So don't commit hit skip. Don't drink and drive. Uber it. Do whatever. Call whoever. It's always better to deal with that pain. Call your parents even if you're 15, right? So it's always better to deal with that consequence than to kill somebody while you're driving. It's always better to deal with that consequence than to explain to your parents why you're sitting in a police department uh, or your spouse or your loved one or whoever, uh, why you're sitting there already arrested. So avoid the bigger problem. Take the consequence move on. Really, is that simple? So, all right, another riveting episode of Lawyer Talk off the air, on the record, off the air, off the air, on the record, whatever it is. Uh, We have been uh, supplying this legal advice now for quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of time. We're going to continue doing it. Tune in every Wednesday, and then we're dropping some other shows and some other topics. Uh, As always, we have other shows here at Channel 511. You can check those out too, Comedians on South High. Uh, Things look good because of Photo Dan. They sound good because of Freddie B., our sound engineer. Uh, If you want to do your own podcast, if you want to sit at the microphone, be at the roundtable, check us out, uh, channel511.com. Give us a call. uh, Reach out. We will be here. You have an interesting topic you want us to discuss here on Lawyer Talk, let us know. LawyerTalkPodcast.com. That is LawyerTalkPodcast.com. So here we are off the record, on the air, at least until now.